Hello, and thank you for joining This Is Just a Phase. I'm your host, Jonathan Kent. Uh, Before we get started with this episode, I want to remind everybody that not only can you listen to the podcast on Spotify, but we're also available on Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Uh, That being said, uh, please head over to our Facebook account at This Is Just a Phase for updates on current and past episodes, as well as merch opportunities, touring schedules from bands that have been featured, the occasional music video, and whatever else we feel like putting up on there. Also, we just launched the Instagram account at This Is Just A Phase Podcast. We have about 11 posts up right now, and uh, we're going to be putting up uh, tons more coming up, so please head over there um, if you're not on the Facebooks. Um, Also, we have the TikTok account at uh, T-I-J-A-P Podcast. I'm going to start being more active on there, getting stuff up on there, try to build our numbers. I've been a little uh, slow to do so, but please head over there as well. Um, If you're a band or a fan and you want to contact me directly, you could do so at thisisjustaphasepodcast at gmail.com. So hit me up if you're interested or have a question or whatever else tickles your fancy. Um, also, if you're looking to check out some great music, please head over to this is just a record label.bandcamp.com. Uh, it's the uh, label that I co own with Mike Rodemoyer. Uh, we have some great stuff that's currently out uh, the debut full length from Elephant, as well as a debut full length from Dave Strong, and tons more incredible music. So please head over there at this is just a record label.bandcamp.com. Well, with all that being said, Jay, let's go. You've got no motivation and you've got no self-esteem. There's a hole inside your head with no future to be seen. Let's go. this blast of an episode, I sit down and chat with Jason Baygood and Nathan McDougal of the Chicago pop-punk power-pop band Space Age Zeros. We chat about how they formed, how they hooked up with Nick No from Ramones Core Radio slash Wellsville Records, how they blended all their influences, and how the scene strives in the digital age of streaming and social media. There's also plenty of Screeching Weasel, Dan Vapid, 
Jay Prozac and the Prozacs, Descendants All, and Anti-Flag Talk, and much, much more. So sit back and take off with this episode of This Is Just a Phase. Here's the first track off their debut EP, Blasting Off, entitled On a Date with Susie Moon. Please enjoy. Hello. Hey, Susie. How are you? It's Nathan. Who? Nathan with the Space Age Zeros. How did you get this number? I was wondering if you weren't doing anything uh, after your show. If maybe you wanted to grab a bite to eat or something? Ew. No. Jason. Hey, how's it going, John? Good. How are you doing, my man? Good. Is it John or Jonathan? You can call me John. That's fine. Okay. Just yeah, I want to be respectful when we're recording. Like what? Yeah. yeah no. No. Sure. It's totally. It's totally cool. Yeah. I, I mark everything as Jonathan, just so if people try to look out for me, they can go look for me by my government name. But I usually go by John. Right on. And, and I'm sorry. We're, we're, are, are you in Ohio? 
Yeah, right on the border of uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio. Like Youngstown, or yeah, right outside of Youngstown, about five about five miles from Youngstown. Oh wow! So so do you, do you go to that mom's basement fest they have every year or whatever? Yeah, I went to it. Uh, I went to it last year. Awesome! Yeah, good lineup this. Yeah, I, I I saw a lot of the bands that were playing it, and I was like, wow, they really they really stepped it up from last year. Not that they didn't have great bands. I mean, shit, they had they had to beat Nick Termite's headline. So, yeah, um, that goes to show you right there that they, uh, uh, John and Bo, really put together a really good festival last year. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Hey, hey. Nathan. Hey guys. Hey, how are you doing, my man? Good, good. <laughs> now, um, thanks, thanks for being flexible with our schedules. Oh, no problem, man. I got I have three kids of my own and the last couple months have been really crazy for me. Um, you know, my, my eldest just, she just graduated and I had my best friend's wedding and graduation parties and I had surgery. So, uh, the, the podcast has kind of been a little bit more, uh, a little bit looser this, this year since, since I started back up. So, um, yeah, I always got something going on. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, th- th- Thanks, thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, not a problem at all. Um, so, listener knows I'm sitting down talking to Nathan and Jason uh, from the Chicago area pop punk power pop band uh, Space Age Zeros. Thank you guys for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Oh, not a problem yeah, at all. Uh, um, yeah, you guys came on my radar much like anything else uh, that has to do with the podcast. It's mostly from, like, word of mouth and through the social media. And, you know, we have tons of tons of mutual uh, friends in common. And, and Jason, me and you have been uh, corresponding with each other for a number of years uh, because of, of a few of those groups. Um, Nathan, you're, you're new on my radar, so... Okay. Um, but I, I won't bug you like Jason does. <laughs> Even if you did, I wouldn't mind, man. Like <laughs> after many years of, of of social media turmoil on my timeline, I conditioned my social media to basically be all music and kittens. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. If you that's bug safe. me, it's it's. What's that? No, I said that's that's a safe way to go these days. Yeah, keeping your music yeah, exactly. and pets. Yeah, I, I always talk about but my buddy. I don't know if you know uh, Stiv from um, um, from uh, um, Rad or uh, Post Ramon or uh, Hollywood Blondes. But okay, uh, he, yeah, I know the he, name. Yeah, you know the name. Uh, he had me join a bunch of groups like I don't know, like six or seven years ago. He was like, "You got to check out all these different groups I'm in." Blah blah blah, and like you know, and that kind of set the motion because I kind of kind of bowed out from the scene for a little bit having kids and stuff so he was he was trying to get me back in and check out all these bands I kind of missed out on so he had me join all these groups and ever since then <laughs> it's been pretty much my my Facebook and my Instagram <laughs> yeah I would you know I would honestly say and I not to speak for Nathan but he'd probably agree too I mean I think if it wasn't for podcasts and these social media groups, I'm in the same boat too. There's a lot like in the early 2000s I missed out on from, you know, same reasons, starting a family and whatnot. But with with all these great podcasts out there and in other Facebook groups and vinyl collecting groups, that's how I 
discovered for the first time a lot of things I missed out on. And, you know, the, you know, I think social media kind of built this, to use that term bubble, because it's used a lot, but it is true, this kind of underground pop punk, punk rock bubble that's kind of seems to be spread word of mouth through social media, which is, it's great because it kind of helps, especially for like, you know, a, a new, newly started band like ours within the past year to kind of, you know, get out there um, a lot quicker to market. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's awesome. It's great. Yeah. And, and social media plays such a role too, because especially with, with the emergence of streaming and stuff like this, like physical cells aren't always the hot ticket item. It's like you need the social media to be able to get your stuff across. And social media plays such a, such almost like hand in hand with the streaming. You can just throw your song up on a streaming site and then just mass produce, you know, not mass produce, mass promote the music that you're doing a heck of a lot easier than being like, Hey, grab our CD and you have no idea how we sound. You know, you like, you can actually get your sound across to people a lot easier with the streaming. I wanted to add to what you guys were talking about. It, it really makes your scene or our scene global. So it's no longer, you don't, you know, you don't roll into a town where you don't know the bands from, you know, uh, where you're from as opposed to where we're from uh, or people from it, or you can contact people to set up shows without, uh, having to look up, look up phone numbers. It's, it really, it really connects the scene, which I think is to me the most endearing part of it. Yeah. And then it's cool too. Cause I've even done, like I've even promoted shows and if it wasn't for social media and that kind of, and, and the streaming, like I wouldn't have been able to connect with the bands that I promoted shows for, like whether it was jerk out of Las Vegas or Haley and the crushers, you know, out of Detroit and California, I wouldn't have been able to to come across these bands if it wasn't for social media because they they would have slipped through my fingers and I would have never had the opportunity to hear them. Right. And and it's it's important, you know, even at, even being from a, a large of a city as you guys are from, the the music scene has changed, and it, it doesn't matter what size size city you're in. Just it's everybody everybody can get their name out there a lot easier than you could have maybe 15, 20 years ago. I, I feel definitely with, with the scene where we're at um, and, and probably everywhere that people just aren't going to generally spend a night out to go see unknown bands. Like we probably all would when we were 17 years old, you know, mm. we'd go to wherever the punk shows were and we'll would see the four or five bands on the bill and discover bands that way. But uh, just just being honest, I'm not I, I'm not going to roll out on a Thursday night to see four bands I never heard before. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it really is really the only way these bands can promote themselves, or we can promote ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. So you both you, you both you both brought something wanted to say. So I'm kind of glad you both did. Speaking about like the scene versus what I think. Uh, social media ha has done, you know, in terms of like making things more global, I think what it has done, I think it kind of, and this is going to sound maybe crass, but I think it's true. It almost killed the concept of a local scene. Like here in Chicago, everybody, Chicago must be, you know, 10 venues a night that like has shows. And while that might be true, What's kind of missing is we used to have, like Nathan said, you know, there'd, there'd be like dedicated venues where you know, like, 
okay, every Wednesday and Sunday is punk night and there's going to be, you know, a touring band with three local bands. And through that way, mm -hmm. that kind of helped build the scene. Now, of like the internet, I mean, like, I don't know, I'll speak for myself. I've even seen in recent years, I'll find out that like a band is from Chicago that I had no idea was even from Chicago. Um, mm -hmm. like the band local, the band local drags, you know, they seem to have such an international appeal. Like they're on like stardom. I had no idea yeah. that they're from Illinois. That blew my mind because they never play here or if they know about it. So, and, and, and it's, um, and you see bands that like form in wherever they're from and they'll like immediately have like a more international appeal. And some bands even play more outside of their own hometown than inside their hometown. And they really don't even have like a following in their own local vicinity because there just isn't one anymore. So that's just kind of another byproduct of this whole change in, you know, seeing what, what you know, the internet and social media has done, whether or not it's better or worse. I don't know. It's just, I, I think it's just, I see bands, you know, adapting to, you know, the change in that for sure. You know, I think you have to. Yeah. So. And, you, and, and you know, with the last, on the, the last episode that I did, I had August from Goodbye Sunshine. They're from Chicago as well. And yeah. Yeah. We know those guys. Touched, yeah. We played with them. Yeah. Yeah. He touched on the same thing. It's, it's, it's bands. Now there's, like you said, the global appeal to it. Like you don't even realize a band is, you know, from your backyard or the, or even in Champlain or in, you know, right. some small town 20 minutes outside of Chicago. Like you wouldn't have had any idea, but they're, they're known across the global spectrum and have gone and played outside of, of, of the States. And, you know, you don't even realize they're from your backyard. It's, 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 it's a different, it's a different way that, like you said, the, the, the local scene is kind of dead in a way. I like to think that those places still exist where they, where there are kids having shows and laundromats or bowling alleys or garages. Daddies. That they, they just, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, they, they just don't want us there. Like, could you mm -hmm. imagine if someone, you know, like, I'm in my 40s. Can you imagine if someone rolled into the Fireside Bowl in their 40s? We would have thought <laughs> they were there picking up their kids. <laughs> you know? Which is funny to me because, like, I promote shows. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I was going to say, um, I promote shows around Youngstown and, um, Bo from Bad Secret, he, he promotes in Youngstown as well. And the big thing for me and, 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 and why I promote shows and why, you know, I, I run my record label is, is largely to try to help the local scene. Um, because I do kind of want to bring that, that, uh, that local scene aesthetic back around like I, I want bands to be proud and push where they're from you know old labels like fat wreck and and epitaph and lookout all started out as regional labels you know and i would like Absolutely. to i would like to kind of see that kind of stuff like like thrive again yeah no, that, I, that I agree is with you, but I I, I personally, I, I wasn't, Lookout Records wasn't on my radar until Screeching Weasel was on Lookout. Okay. Um, you know, and I, I know that was a little later into the Lookout uh, catalog, but that's about when I came in. I didn't so know I, about them until, I didn't know about them until Green Day, to be honest. Right. And, and um, 
Jason, you could probably help me with the timeline. And I know Green Day came out on Lookout Records before Weasel did. Oh yeah, yep, yep. You know, several years because I know I, obviously Boogada and the first uh, LP were before Green Day, but those weren't on Lookout originally. Yeah, they were both. They were both. I think Green Day put out their first EP in like '89. And I want to say the first release on Lookout from Screeching Weasel was like 91, 92. Yeah, I think that's when My Brain Hurts came out. Yeah. 91. Yeah. Yeah. So very, very, very close. And I mean, but you also had a lot of those bands like like on Lookout that were that were the regional bands. Your Crim Shrine, your Sam I Am, your 15, your, you know what I mean? Those bands, Operation Ivy, of course, they were all Bay Area bands. So... But you know that's what I'm kind of doing for Youngstown. Those are, those are the ones we romanticize. No one brings up like Brent's TV or the Yeasty Girls. Yeah, <laughs> I would bring up the Yeasty Girls. I don't know about you, but I would definitely drop them. I love I love Corrupted <laughs> Morals. I saw them. I don't even remember the year. Like literally in front of a crowd of five people in Chicago is awesome. Oh, no yeah, shit. Just, yeah, I was an early Lookout Records guy. Like thanks to my older brother, but. Yeah, so it's like, but no, but I, I agree with you, because even here in Chicago, we used to have labels like uh, Roadkill Records, Walk Through Fire, Johan's Face, mm-hmm. and later on, they may have had bands that were like from outside of Chicago, but primarily, you know, it was just a local and regional label, and through, you know, kind of having that local scene, they became kind of well-respected labels, but kind of still keeping that local flair, and that's that's great. I mean, it's now you're there's labels you know that just have bands from all over just and it's kind of like um it's 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 really just it, it's really globalized it, it truly is these labels have bands from all over the world and that, that's not a bad thing it's just like uh, you know i'll speak for ourselves because we're, we're talking about that right now because we're you know we're looking to you know record our first full length later this year and we talk about labels all the time and it's just kind of like we always kind of joke like, yeah, it's a, we've even said like our drummer who, who has been in many local bands said, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame we can't just like restart or like buy the rights to underdog records and say, Hey, you know, this is it. This is going to be the home for, you know, Chicago punk bands. You know, there just, mm-hmm. there really isn't, there, there's a few small labels that there certainly are, but there's not really those staple go-tos like, like there used to be, as you were saying originally, regionally, like, you know, like a lookout or the ones we had here in Chicago. So but even those um, labels were small. But yeah, for sure. To anything now, I mean, they were printing a thousand LPs, you know, and which to the time, don't get me wrong, it was it was if there were a thousand LPs out there, that was a lot of LPs of a band. But in the grand scheme of things, they were still pretty small. Yeah, and you know, and, and I even and I even fell into the situation where I started my label primarily as as a as a local as a local label. And I put out two local bands after putting on a, 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 a compilation. And then I was like, I have these connections. And I had my friends being like, why don't you put out something by us? And that started with the Prozacs and then continued with Dave Strong. You know, not people from this area, but who I'm friends with anyways. And you know, and you, and you even seen that, of course, with any label who started out as a, as a, as a, as a homegrown local label. Where you know you like 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 look outside and screeching weasel and and the queers and mm-hmm. you know they went you know beyond their local area because it, it's it's hard not to I mean when you know people 
and you want people to hear their music, whether or not they're from the local area or not. You know, you want to you want to you want to put out a CD. I, I put out a demos collection for Jay Prozac. I, I was I was lucky enough to put out Dave Strong's debut, and you know what it it, it was it was just nice that I I had I had garnered a name that was able to do something like that with with, with big bigger people within the scene. Now Jay 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 is my buddy. I that's one guy in the scene. I I, I could be pretty cynical um, on things as a general rule, but that's one guy that I have a lot of admiration for his work ethic. Yeah. And, yeah, he's he's a hell of a guy, a humble guy too, man. Yeah, absolutely. When you when you look at the amount of material he put out and continues to put out with a rotating cast, uh, just nothing stops that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I've been listening to that dude for tw- twenty years, and I tell you what, I just recently, a couple months back, I had he did a little swing through uh, the Pittsburgh area in Youngstown, and. You know, it, I I finally got to meet him like face to face and hang out and 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 chat and everything. And I tell you what, you would never expect him to just be the dude that could live next door to you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's just the coolest dude. And you know, it was it was an exciting thing to be able to get him down because it was the first time he played the area in like seventeen years. So he's definitely been all over at some point. I, I got I got to meet him at uh, Jughead's one of Jughead's birthday party shows. He came to Chicago for that, so I got to meet him. And I know he's coming to town, so I hope to get to at least one of his shows uh, next month when he's here. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, he's making a swing through uh, through uh, your area in July. Yeah, I think Michigan right. and in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, so, that's really cool. I, I, uh, I will support anything Jay does. And it, it's got to the point where he'll post something for sale and I'll be like, I'll take it. And he'll message me. I'll go, you already have that one. I go, oh, okay, <laughs> never mind then. <laughs> Listen, I've, during the pandemic, man, he was running the, these ridiculous sales. And I, you know, I have, you know, s- smatherings of his releases over the years and stuff, mm-hmm. but it all started out. I had had my copy of uh, the, sp- the Prozac split with Johnny three. And I've known the guys in Johnny three for a long time. And that was like one of my, my favorite releases. And I was like, and it got stolen and I didn't have it anymore. And he happened to have it on there and he goes, well, I have my whole thing. I'll sell you my whole thing for like my whole disc discography for like 60 bucks. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Even yeah. though yeah. I had them, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't pass up a deal like that. You know, and and then he hooked me up with like 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 rare seven inches and stuff like that. Like the 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 dude is the coolest man. Yeah, the, the Jay wanted... Prozac box that would have to be in uh, shipped in like a storage container if they ever make one. <laughs> it was a I, uh... it was a rather large box. <laughs> I always give yeah yeah I talk to Jay a lot too. You know, he's a great guy. I kind of goof on him a lot and he knows it because it's like every time there's like a new compilation out so he's like oh either jay prozac or the prozacs are on it so it's, yeah, uh, he's been I'm, on, I'm curious he's... to see who's been on more compilation appearances through the years the parasites or jay prozac <laughs> it's probably pretty neck and neck we'll tell you what i've never put out a compilation with the parasites on i have two comps that feature jay prozac <laughs> there you go so, so in all fairness yeah he he, he wins out from sorry so, sorry dave
I could give a little bit of background to start and then Jason, you could fill in some of the blanks that I get, but I've known Jason for probably about 30 years. Okay. And um, I would say maybe around 2020 was during the pandemic that uh, Jason and I just started messaging back and forth about the possibility of starting a band, you know, Um, we were kind of both in that point in our life where we had a little extra time and we'd been in bands previously. Um, So we, you know, we got that idea going, uh, reached out to a few people, engaged interest. Uh, the first person that jumped in on that was um, Brian Zarnick, uh, who's our drummer. So we went over to his house one time with, you know, Jason pretty much just playing acoustic guitar. We had a mic out of an amp and I don't even know if we even played any music that night because things weren't working, but we seemed to click pretty well and then uh, filled in the blanks with guitars. Uh, Steve is uh, our guitar player. One of our guitar players is in a band also called Death in Memphis. And he was he responded to an ad, even though we knew him. He's in, been in so many bands, I never even thought to ask him. But he was like, hey, I'll, I'll do it. And so that's where we started. And then after our first practice, we... Uh, Tom joined the band, another friend of ours, and kind of was the missing link for what we'd been looking for with song, you know, help with songwriting and everything. So it's just a pretty good group that grew organically. And what's really interesting, uh, Jason, before you uh, jump in, and what's yeah. really cool, I was I was looking over your guys' bio, your guys's bio, and Nathan, you were in the Geeks. Uh, Jason, you were in um, uh, Urban Idols, um, right. as well as Civic and the Tupacs, and and your drummer Brian was in the Bull Weevils and Oblivion. That's 
that's pretty that's pretty freaking awesome dude. no that's, like that's like brian, brian has been in two separate bands there's a pretty big local uh venue here called the metro and uh it's if it's like say the rolling stones have a secret show like they'll play there it's like a long time running club he's been in two bands that had, had grew from just a you know a small punk band to headlining the metro and yeah. two separate bands and and Steve was in Naked Reagan. I mean, that's that name right there, you know, Chicago royalty. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that's that's, pretty, that's yeah. pretty much the big bang of Chicago punk rock. You know, there 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 may have been bands before there there were punk bands before, but that was kind of the big bang of the whole Chicago scene, Chicago sound. Pretty much everything starts there. Yeah, and like I want to say, like two years ago, I think. Cause like I, I knew a little bit of the, the old Chicago scene, but of course it, it's always like smatherings and different documentaries and stuff. Right. But I actually got a chance to watch, uh, you weren't there. And yeah, it's brilliant documentary, brilliant documentary. And I was yeah. just like, Oh, holy shit. Like I just, I, and there were so many names that I did know that I was just like, I mean, you know how it is growing up in, in the, in the time that we did, there were so many bands and so much music being thrown at us. Um, just because of of MTV and the, the the publications that were coming out at the time, like growing up in the area that I grew up in, I mean, Alternative Press was right up in Cleveland. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we were always oh, getting yeah. information. Mm-hmm. So to find out like how many bands, like I didn't even realize were Chicago bands, but went like I know who those bands are. You know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's true. See, by the time uh, I got into punk rock in the early 90s, uh, Naked Reagan had already outgrew, outgrown the regular scene I was in, like the Fireside Bowl scene, or mm-hmm. uh, like Jason mentioned, like McGregor's, even though they played there. But they were just, they were, seemed like such a big band. Like the, the thought of Naked Reagan was almost as if you had mentioned like the Beatles. They just almost didn't even exist in the uh, regular plane of you know, our, our underground bands, they were always on a different level. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like ours and like, like anti-flag. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and we, we still, you know, and I still hold those guys to that same, you know, like I, I don't think I will. Um, starstruck may be the wrong word, but uh, still in awe of the talent, you know, that, that comes from some of those bands. Yeah. It's, it's a little weird. Like I, 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 I hung out and partied with, with, anti-flag early in in their career and to be able to say that's kind of bizarre to me you know what i mean that like i don't think i would walk up to them now and be like hey remember me you know 20 25 years ago (laughs) but you know what i mean like it's pretty cool to be able to say like yeah man i've i partied with you know pat and andy and shit you know what i mean but you know i think think you'd be surprised at the amount of things people remember yeah you know yeah true i agree Mm-hmm. You know, because I'll talk to like, uh, for example, there um, we played with Pansy Division on Saturday. I saw that. That that must have been fucking amazing, dude. Yeah, that was very cool. They 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 draw very well. There were about two hundred people there. Nice, give or take a yeah. couple. And uh, Joel from the Mr. T Experience is in Pansy Division, and yeah, he's their we, drummer, right? Uh, guitar guitarist, guitarist. That's yeah. right, guitarist. That's right. And he was, uh, you know, I, I was just showing him some posters I had. And he goes, were you at any of these shows? And he, he remembered he remembered more details about those shows than I did. That's amazing, you know? man. 
So it, it always surprised me what people remember. And I, I guess I, I'm to the point where I'm surprised at how much I've forgotten. I'll find ticket stubs or flyers to some things. And I have zero recollection of ever seeing those. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing what people can remember. That's pretty right. awesome. I, I want to talk to you guys about um, your EP Blast Off that came out last year. Um, and it's a four song EP. Um Right off the jump, I, I just got to tell you, <laughs> Nathan, the very first track on a date with Susie Moon, but the, but the first time I heard that and it started like that, I was like, seriously, they got they actually got Susie to do that. The phone yeah, that, that was awesome of her to do that. Maybe. That was that right off the bat. I was like, sold. I'm sold on this band already. Yeah. And, uh, um, you have Allie with an eye, dead inside, wishing well. It's it's a great EP. I, I, I wish there was more because it like it only goes it's like 14 minutes long and it goes by so fast i'm like where's the rest of the songs at because I mean, it's we, we we trust me we feel the same <laughs> we, wish we, good... had, we wish we had a lot more a lot more out there and that's why we're we're feverishly writing right now to to get there so yeah uh, we hope we hope to record late summer um early fall okay so, that's awesome uh, we, you know we, we're, we're kind of uh I don't know if we have the exact dates booked yet, but we've got the general time frame of it. Hopefully we'll have some comp tracks out before then, but you know how those things go. Um, kind of at the mercy of the labels and other bands getting their tracks in. So hopefully there'll be a couple new things between now and then for you to hear. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. keep in touch with you guys. But to go with that, uh, and I don't know if we answered the question of how we got in touch with Nick No. Um, and I'll let, I'll let Jason cover that a little bit, but, uh, he was kind of the, you know, we had a couple options and he was the one that reached out first and I, I couldn't admire that guy's work ethic either any more than I do. Me too. Yeah. And, and he, just the perfect choice, you know, he, he's not one of those guys where you send something or ask for something and you're waiting weeks or months for photos or anything it's literally would be that afternoon yeah yeah i've had him in Sp I, spoon on the podcast and i now nick and i also have a uh if, if you guys like the music facebook groups we started a punks who are into country music mm -hmm. uh, subgroup so anyone listening wants in on that hit us up awesome awesome <laughs> yeah nick uh, so like uh also just a couple things i want to say about like working with nick and like and uh well it was it was weird because, like, he, he had done the switch from Ramon's core back to Wellsville, and then he's back to Ramon's core now. So we've actually had our EP released twice because the, uh, the first pressing of 100 sold out. And then when it was uh, reissued, um, he had changed the name to Ramon's core. So it's actually been out on technically two different labels, but all under, uh, all under Nick. Um, now, is he doing both the labels now? I think it's bad. I don't want to speak for Nick, but I think he's he's back to just doing Ramon's core radio okay. now. Because he put up. No, you know what? I'm and... sorry. I'm sorry. I, I let me correct myself. I had that flip flop. <laughs> it was originally it was originally Ramon's core radio, and now I think it's uh, back to uh, well back to Wellsville. I think. Yeah, because he put out the Worthington Law. Yeah, EP that's right. Out on Wellsville, and then but then I okay. heard recently he was doing Ramon's core radio records again. Yeah. So he's kind of, yeah. I'm thinking he's going to run them, but I think he's going to do them both, right? 
Okay. Yeah, I, I know his idea for doing Wellsville originally was just he just wanted he didn't want to be obviously when you if you have a label right and you're called Ramones Core Radio you're you're, you're kind of limited in the type of stuff you can put out right I mean so I'm, I want to cover two subjects really quick because you kind of asked about the formation of the band and then with uh, with Nick and uh, and mm. Ramones Core Radio so like you know like uh, Nathan hit the nail on the head about you know how we got started and formed and it, it was interesting because I think when we first started. Like I, at least, you know, I just kind of had this idea like, Hey, we're going to just kind of do a fun tongue in cheek. You know, I kind of had the idea for some just kind of basic Ramones core. Let's just bang it out for on the floor type stuff. But then, you know, when it was just kind of originally, you know, kind of the three of us that got together with, you know, me, Nathan and Brian, but then when you get outside influences come in, you know, it kind of developed more into like, Oh, wow, this is kind of turning into more of a more, structured power pop more polished type sound that so it's kind of interesting in a short period of time we went from what i thought was going to be one thing to something that was completely different and you know for myself even a little more challenging so it was it was kind of interesting because we kind of like kind of came up you know kind of through social media and kind of where we were marketing ourselves kind of through that kind of pop punk channel but we're kind of definitely an outlier in that regard because we're not a typical you know Ramones core type band though that just kind of seems to be in the scene that it kind of I don't know maybe based on just the people we know or we market ourselves and kind of who we're playing with so that's why it appealed to Nick because you know I know he was kind of looking to branch out from that basic kind of I'm, I don't mean that in a bad way but you know I no, think I they, they had a vision you know I mean I, I know Nick Spoon very well too lesser creatures and you know great band but you know they're in that kind of more true Ramones core bubble um so I think when you hear it us it's like oh wow this is something kind of different and um kind of like what Nathan was saying Nick works very fast um I I actually also do a studio project with him called uh called the jump scares kind Thank of you for bringing it up thing I, it was yeah. on my list. Good bringing it up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll reserve that. But so it's kind of like I just, from my experience with that too, things kind of happen. Like I, I have a story about that later too. But like I, I remember it was a weekend. I think it was a Saturday. I was out and about running around. Like I think we had gotten our final mixes, sent it out to a few labels. You know, got the usual. Yeah, this is great, but you know, I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you, sort of thing. You know, the usual that you kind of expect. And he was just, he was like on board right away. And like that same day, he was already like, I sent him some artwork and, you know, different logos and designs we had. He came back with like three different cover art design. And this was all like in the matter of like four or five hours. I remember mm -hmm. we were like all going back and forth. And like by like the end of the weekend, we already had pretty much like the layout for the, for the CD design. It was crazy how, how fast it happened from you know getting him the tracks to like when the cd came out and it was up on so on uh on streaming so um it just says a lot to nick and his passion because it's like he'll tell me like you know like oh hey you know i'm gonna do like i'm gonna reissue some cretin stuff from mutant pop that was never done or i'm gonna do this cletus tribute and like it'll be like an idea in his head and then like literally like by the end of the week Oh, like have an advertisement. Yeah, this is coming out and I already have 10 bands committed. I'm like, yeah. wow, that's like amazing. Like that, you know, all these bands that he works with, you know, they have that faith in him because he does, he gets stuff done, which is, which is like great because, um, you know, especially in this day and age, it, it, it's hard, you know, with like pressing plant delays and stuff. Like 
um, you know, like Nathan mentioned before, in addition to like, you know, the four songs we have out, we have recorded a bunch of stuff for compilations, which just, unfortunately, we would love to like release on our own just to have more stuff out there. But, you know, out of respect for the, for the labels that are releasing, you know, the physical product, you know, we're obviously would not do that. So, you know, we have to wait like everybody else. So, um, mm. yeah, it's just, it's just great that there's just these passionate guys out there, like, like yourself too, you know, that just, you know, are doing things simply because you love it. And that's why I think the relationship with Nick has been been great so far. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that, you know, the head, like, I, I think I'm pretty fast at putting stuff together until I met Nick though. And <laughs> like you said, the, the, he had the Cletus, um, the, the, the tribute to Cletus coming out. He had... Right. The um, he had Worthington's Law. He had then you, you got you guys were coming out, and he had the you guys were starting the jump scares, and he was doing this. And, it, and I'm just like, how do you stay focused on so many things at one time? Like I have to go through each release one at a time. While we're because, plugging, right. while we're plugging him, he's also starting a country music label as well. And he's also starting his country label music as well. And he plays and he, he, he plays like black metal. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, it just it it, it 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 floors me the 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 amount of, of focus the guy has. I mean, I don't know if it's just my ADD sets in, but like I have to stay on one task or like everything. Like the dominoes will just fall over, you know. But I think that I think the eclectic nature of what he does is what motivates him. Mm-hmm. And, and like uh, for our band i think a lot of bands are defined by or their sound is defined by what they have in common mm-hmm. you know whether whether it's the ramones or you know the beatles whoever they all like it so they can all circle there i feel like our sound is more defined by what we don't have in common we are you yeah, know we do have some we do have some stuff that we cross over on, like we all dead love- inside. Dead inside's the first track I think of. Yeah, like we all we all love like material issue, mm. but when they start talking about like heavy metal music from the eighties, I'm lost. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I've I've got I've got no point of reference there or anything like that. And it's the same thing with you know types of music I listen to, or you know everyone seems to like something a little bit different in our band. And we allow that to get in there. Like nothing's ever vetoed, you know, and that's, that's, I think that's saying a lot for the egos of a lot of the songwriters and our, that generally have in our band that they, um, you know, we allow each other to zig or zag one direction or the other, you know, I, I know, I know Jason isn't always comfortable with the speed of songs that Tom and I will like, you know, Mm-hmm. But uh, but we'll continue to add to them and work through them. And, you know, uh, I, I've always been impressed by people in in this band that will put their egos to the side and recognize. We just kind of go for quality songs regardless of style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, 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 kind of, that kind of goes along with, I guess, kind of the point I was making before in terms of, like, when we started this band versus how it sounds now being kind of like a challenge for me, because like, I'll hear something a certain way, like a melody and, you know, based on maybe the type of music that I listen to, like, I would think like, Hmm, I would have wrote the song with maybe vocally kind of driving the melody where, you know, here we might be starting with a guitar part driving and kind of like adding the vocals 
and the patterning later. Um, and so it's like, it's, it's, it's just a different, it's, I think when you get five guys together, it's just, it's just a different way with different backgrounds. You get a different way of songwriting too. You know, mm-hmm. if, if we were all like, Hey, we're going to do, you know, 10 Ramones core songs in 25 minutes. Well, yeah. I mean, that's easy. You, everybody's brain would be trained the same way to write those songs the same way. But every time we work on a new song, it's, it is, it's like a completely different adventure and that's part of the challenge. Yeah. And I'm sure it is too. And, and like I said, I brought up dead inside because that song is so different and there are so many, you could hear so many influences coming in. I mean, I don't know if we would consider it power pop. I mean, I would probably consider it more a power pop song, but there's so many layers. There's so many layers to it. And I, I went back, it's a longer song. It's like, like four and a half minutes. But right. I, I I listened to it and I went, hold up. And I went back to it. And I did that about four times. So I said, you know, 16 minutes time. I'm I'm just I'm listening to it. I'm listening to it over again. And there's like there's so much to this song. And it's 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 just you can hear your individual influences, whatever they are, you can that that's probably the most collaborative song on that ep i just it's 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 but i consider that the standout track on on the ep to be completely honest i appreciate that and then uh tom wrote that most of that song and you know and we changed it a little bit up to to meet our styles but it's definitely the song i think that's had the most legs like uh I, i wouldn't have expected that to be the most streamed song and i'll be honest like i don't set a lot of expectations for a band, I don't know if one person's going to listen to something or mm-hmm. and or anything. And I, I would be if if I if I heard just from you what you just said about any one of our songs. To me, it makes it worth making that song, you mm-hmm. know. But for a song to get as many plays, which seems like a lot for us, like I said, I would have been happy with one person listening. But that seems to be the song that's had the most legs of uh, of any of our songs was streaming. Yeah, and it's not to take away from. On a date with Susie Moon or Ally with an Eye or Wishing Well, they're they're great songs as well. I I, I really I, I really like I said I really like the flow of the album. I you know what surprisingly it was my one of my favorite releases from last year. For only being a four song EP, it was one of the standout releases from last year. And because like every time I listen to it, I'm it just it just there's I discover more from it and I just like I constantly have to listen to it. It's like, you know, if I if I make a playlist on Spotify, like I want to throw this song on there because I think it'll flow with the rest of what I have. And I just I really just it was just very well made, very well thought out. And the songs are just solid, great songs. I appreciate that. And just speaking Thanks. for yourself, I know I know Jason um does write some like Ramones Court type stuff. But I'll be honest with you, there are people that are going to do that better. Nick Spoon, Cap Gun Heroes are going to do that style better than I can give it to you. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, just being honest with my own ability. So rather than trying to fit their, the, the molds that they are so well at doing and that they're perfecting, we just kind of try and be ourselves. 
Yeah. And I have that kind yeah. of, and I, I have that conversation, not to interrupt you, Jason. I'm sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Um, I know I've had this conversation with multiple people, especially within the bubble, you know, especially like we were talking about Jay Prozac earlier. He says that he goes, I don't know where I fit within the bubble anymore because the bubble was constantly changing. You know, right. what what is hot in the moment is not maybe what I present to the table. And I think it's just especially when you've been doing music as long as you guys have, which you guys stretch far back. In, you know, within the Chicago scene, things change, and you kind of don't want to be limited to one specific thing any longer. You know, some people might, you know, you know, Joe Queer has done a almost forty year career doing the same thing, but sometimes your interests will change, or what you want to hear, what you want to put across uh, to tape is going to be different than what you initially thought something was going to sound like. And then right. they get put into more pressure than we ever will. You know, like mm-hmm. if Joe Queer all of a sudden completely changed directions. People are going to wonder about it, you know, mm-hmm. um, whereas whereas us, we, we have the leeway and people were not on everyone's radar. And as we get hopefully on more people's radar, you know, they can we could hopefully grow with them. But he was such a force when the. I guess of the whole formation of the whole thing, you know, he, his sound kind of became the scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I think Joe proved though, that like, if you, if, if you, if you have the fan base and people believe in you as an artist, I mean, if you think about like the first two queer EPs, you would never guess that Joe queer is the same guy that wrote surf goddess. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, starting as basically an angry Samoans knockoff band. I don't mean that in a negative way. I love angry Samoans, but like to Surf Goddess. I mean, I think it proves that, like, you know, it, it kind of helped define what '90s pop punk was. Where because before that, pop punk was kind of more, I'd say, power poppy, and it kind of that kind of mid nineties lookout records, like, you know, Mr. T experience queers kind of made pop punk a lot more, I guess, bubblegum, you know, beach boys influenced. Right. And then even, you know, screech and weasel dabbled in that as well. So I Mm -hmm. think, I think bands do change and evolve over time. Um, Some bands I think just have the ability based on having that label support and fan base to be able to experiment more. Um, I will say for us though, as, as, as a newer band, I think what I do like, and I am very fortunate that we kind of evolved in the way we did, um, even though maybe the vision is maybe different than I personally initially had maybe for the band, is that the versatility that we can play with, and we have uh, such a wide variety of bands from, you know, just, you know, more hard rock bands to power pop bands to, you know, punk bands, because we kind of are kind of that melting pot of, as Nathan said, a lot of different influences. And I think that gives us, you know, the ability to basically write any type of song we really want and not like worry like, well, this really isn't our core sound because I don't think we have a core sound.
talk about people that are I don't think we're unique in the fact that we um, kind of blend genres and and Jason don't get on me because I, I think he knows where I'm going with this with with my favorite all-time uh, punk rock artist is by far Dan vapid okay and I feel that that guy can do no wrong in my eyes but but can seamlessly go from bands that I, I, I think he could pull up to any of our houses and write 10 Riverdale songs that are brilliant, but then he mm-hmm. doesn't, he doesn't keep doing it if he doesn't want to. He'll and do I'm so glad. And I'm so, I'm so glad you brought up Dan too. Like, I'm so glad that you brought him up because I was thinking of that when you were talking about, we were talking about people, you know, reinventing their sounds. And Dan's a good representation of that from, you know, Screeching Weasel and, and, and Sludgeworth to um, the Riverdells and the Mopes, the, the Mopes and, and the Cheats and it, the Methadones, a million things that he's done. Right. It's, and it's, it's, all, just, it's all him. It's all you yeah. him, but it, it's different. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted to go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think kind of one of the reasons um, that he's able to do that is Dan doesn't worry about his past like a lot of artists. Right. Do. Yeah, exactly. Constantly. I agree. And, and this this isn't a put down. I'm, I'm sure if you have Dan on, he'll tell you the same thing. He's not the person to go to for all the details about his career. Mm-hmm. Jason and I probably know a lot of details on, on his career that he doesn't know because he doesn't he's always looking forward. And with so many artists that have been around as long as he have or has will come out and they'll play those songs from 30 years ago that you just want to do. He's constantly moving forward and leaving the, you know, he'll revisit those songs for you, but he's got that next project lined up. And, and I've always found that a very admirable quality of an artist. Yeah. And, and you know, when Dan's one of those people that I, when you talk about musicians, Dan's one of those people where I don't necessarily consider him a musician. I consider him a songwriter. And Absolutely. It's, yeah. It's there's not a lot of people within the punk scene that you can genuinely call them a storyteller and a songwriter. And every song that I've ever heard from from Dan has been a like it's 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 a song it's just not a piece of music like you know it just i don't know one of my favorite songs he's ever written is is i know it's such a probably a cliche thing to say because it's a riverdale song but back to you yeah oh it's 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 brilliant i mean you can't deny that song yeah dude it could do that's a song if it was if it was any artist 
you know, in the pop world that would cover that song, it'd be a fucking, it would be a fucking hit, dude. But the fact it's this underground punk song, it's, it doesn't get the love. Fans have spent careers trying to write a song as good as Someday by Sludgeworth. And they wrote that when he was 19, he wrote that when he was 19 years old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Incredible. So Jason and I have a friend named Jeff that, he he has what we'll call the unofficial punk rock museum that's in Illinois in his basement. And he's a big fan. He tells me, and this has always stuck with me, him saying that, that Dan Vapid is the best songwriter that he's ever heard. He said number two is Paul McCartney. And I go, I go, you put you put Dan in front of McCartney. And he goes, Yeah, Dan never had a uh, bad period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's true. Whew. That's a tall that's woof. There, that's, there, that's, there's that's, a, that's a bold statement. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot but of true. unsung heroes, I think, in in, in our scene. Um, you know, some are just, you know, I, 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 you know, Dan is definitely number one. I, I, I think there may have even been a dummy room like awards about this, like an icon award or something like that. And I think um, so. And, you know, he won it. And that was like, it was like, you, you, you can't deny it. I mean, it's just, um, and I, I love, I, I love Dan's ability and I respect that, even though like, I know that I would think that'd be hard to do to just constantly evolve and not worry at all. I mean, even like within the cheats, like the last three cheats albums, all completely different. I mean, they sound like yeah. they were completely different bands, different I mean, lyrically and musically all completely different. You know, I think no. everybody has some they like more than others. And, you know, I, I don't think Dan would care about that, you no. know. Um, no, you don't care about shit like that. That's no. brilliant. I think that's, um, I think that's, I think Dan is, it was great that you brought that up, Nathan, because I think that's like a great blueprint for any band to just kind of, you know, hey, do what, do what feels comfortable to you and not always worry about trying to fit into, you know, a certain box just because, you know. You know, mm-hmm. see what comes naturally, and you know, because whatever I, your whatever your favorite version of Dan Vapid is, he can do that still. Mm-hmm. He wants. But he's not he's not worried about that. Just like when people like the the most recent Cheats album was a little bit was was different than the previous one and the previous one before that. And when people like, I, I remember I was reading someone was saying that that one's not for them, and his response was the best. It was, I was well, hope you like the next one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just moved on. He already has it fucking written. Right, I'm oh, sure. sure he did, yeah. Yeah. But a, yeah. a close second for me to Dan, and I don't know how you guys feel about him, but to me personally, um, as much as I love The Descendants, I, I love all. And uh, between, uh, between you know, the, mem- the individual guys in the band who write songs, Bill and Chad Price have always been like, a huge influence to me. Like uh, Chad Price doesn't get a whole lot of love. He does for me. Nathan Nathan and I argue about this all the time. Chad's my favorite all singer. It's not Nathan's. No, no. And and I I get shit for it too. Cause it's Chad, Chad, Chad's my favorite. And everybody's like, what about Scott or, you know, Dave, Dave, or, you know what I mean? I'm like, but there, I don't know, man, something about those, those what what do you do three four albums with them is just i don't know man those are my four favorite albums if jason and i ever want to upset people 
we instantly are go to, and we're not, we, we believe this 100%. We just kind of say all is better than the, the descendants and we 100% believe it, but that that's usually the hot button issue. If you want to get people worked up, that's just, you can go right there. I've posted that before <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. got a lot, a lot of fucking comments about it, dude. And I'm like, uh, listen, I mean, I, I, kind of discovered all first and then i discovered the descendants so i mean sorry i mean i think i think it de- i think it depends with like the whole all descendants thing and not to go on this too much but i think it depends like w- like how old you are and where you were and you got into it so like when i kind of first got into punk was right when um all where he says came out that was okay. one of the first punk cassettes i ever owned i still own that same tape to this day which is like the ink is worn out on both sides because i probably played that thing 200 times and so I knew of the descendants, but you know, I, you know, b- been with all since the beginning, saw all a million times in the nineties. And then, you know, when they kind of came back and with descendants and everything sucks, yeah, it was cool to finally see the descendants live, but you know, that was a marketing ploy. I mean, you know, real fans know that album was already written and recorded as an all album, you mm-hmm. know, and, and you know, there's a Milo wanted to get back in the game. So Epitaph said, Oh, I got a brilliant idea. Let's release it as a descendants album. And, you know, the rest is history and the Descendants now have a career again, which is great. I'm happy Mm -hmm. to those guys because I love, you know, both bands. So, but then now, so now any kid that's gotten into punk, you know, post 2000, Descendants have been active. So to them, it all has kind of always been seen as like, oh, well, they're they're inferior because they're not the Descendants. So I think it's it's a time and place thing. Um, Same thing for me too, like Seven Seconds is my all-time favorite band. And, you know, my favorite albums of theirs are their kind of new wave U2 period because that was the current period when I got into them where, you know, kids getting into them now are like, oh my God, that stuff's terrible. Well, it's like, yeah, because the internet tells you that this is their classic album. So you go to that first, you know? So I think think a lot of, I think a lot of things that we're talking about here have to do with time and place and where you were when personally, when maybe you got into a band or artist versus, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're getting into, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, like, you know, I'll speak for myself, you know, it's like, I really didn't appreciate a lot of like the, a lot of the seventies punk or post-punk stuff till a lot later on. So, you know, Mm -hmm. take a band like X, you know, yeah, I love the Los Angeles album. I can't say that I know some of their later albums as well, you know, I'm not as well versed. So I could be missing some gems there, but just because I wasn't there. So for me, I'm, you know, a lot of bands, you know, you're, if you're playing catch up on, you're going to gravitate to probably what's most classic or most highly um, held in regard, you know, based on reviews and whatnot. So I think that's why, you know, the all descendants debate over time, especially with the power of the internet, descendants are always going to (laughs) win because one, they're the most active. And two, I mean, if you go online, I mean, you know, how many descendants albums are on, top you know even in rolling stone you know or in like top 100 mm-hmm. underground albums i'm sure there's one or two descendants albums in there right yeah. where you're not going to find all on that list the name yeah. kind of hurts them too like trying to find all yeah but, well yeah because it was based all. on a yeah. bit based on a thought you know right and and plus it just bringing the debate from the descendants to all and bringing it back to just being an all debate you guys are just showing your lack of soul and being wrong because Scott Reynolds is the is the best all singer. Listen, Scott, listen, I love Scott, but Scott didn't write until I say so. Yeah, I just I don't know. That's all I gotta say, man. Scott didn't write until I say so. 
I just remember when Breaking <laughs> Things first came out and I got it. It was like, oh my God, like this is just some of the most like, like kind of like the humor element from the descendants that still carried into all was yeah. like, kind of gone. Like there was no more of those filler kind of tracks that all did because they, you know, honestly probably felt they had to do. Yeah, like Fartonomics and shit like yeah. that. Right. Uh-huh. Or, you know, I got a frog in my pocket, you know, stuff like that was was gone. And these were like breaking things front to back are all really personal, you know, my got my goodness. I mean Anyways, yeah. So it's just, and then they uh, come back with Bass Nerder and have like songs like I, I she broke my dick and you know what yeah. I mean? like, <laughs> right. like, like I, I like a lot of Chad songs as well and I like the Dave Smalley stuff. I just I feel Scott Brown's voice is the most soulful of the three. They all have I'd agree with that. qualities to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's a, right. And, and that's what I mean. You know, and that's what's great about everything we're talking about. Everything music is subjective and it should be because if it's not, then you're just especially in punk rock, you're just buying into what somebody else is telling you you should listen to, you know, or you should like, you know, you should mm-hmm. ignore this period of the band because it's their quote unquote, whatever sellout period, or they went different or whatever. I tell Jason all the time, never listen to music critics. <laughs> oh, they're the worst, man. Wait, wait a second. They're the worst. <laughs> it's almost like Jason reviews music for 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 a living is is that right yeah no, yeah yeah living yeah would it, would it be yeah. a certain site called here in the mansion. Yeah, yeah no yeah i do the, the I, punk, I, the, the guilty as charged I, I will i will say this i give jason a hard time probably more than anybody um but he's the perfect person to review music and I, i've told him this because he finds the good in everything he finds yeah, he, he he likes everything. I'm I'm wired differently than that. Like I'll I'll get two tracks and I'll be like I'm not listening to this garbage. Your cynicism starts to yeah. show. To yeah, uh, instantly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I'll, I'll well, see I appreciate a pic- that. I'll see a picture of dudes on an album cover and I'll be like, this isn't for me. Yeah, this, I'm not gonna enjoy this one. <laughs> <laughs> But he's like, I mean, this... they sparkle and they shine with this new, with their 70s revival. Or I could look at an album wrong, and could look at it and go, I, I know what this album sounds like already. And that's, right. that's no, a that quality I need to get rid of, but I, I still harbor some of that. <laughs> what you was know, that, Jason? It, no, I was going to say the, the, the reviewing thing, I, you know, just to kind of equate it to everything we're talking about and doing here. I mean, the thing that I really, you know, when I kind of got into it, why I like doing it, you know, it kind of helps me keep up on stuff that I wouldn't otherwise check out. And it has kind of opened my mind, like, you know, like I've reviewed some stuff where it's like, oh, wow, like I never would have even considered this, but something came across my desk that just kind of blew me away. Um, And then, you know, it's weird because I've gotten asked to do some like bigger stuff, um, that I'll just pass on because it's like nobody's going to buy or not buy this album because of my take on it, you know, and yeah. I'm not going to even name any bands cause it's, it's not necessary, but it's just like, I just kind of feel like I'd much rather give my time and attention to something where somebody might actually check out this release because of reading my review, you know, mm. just certain bands like, you know, I, whatever, for example, like I would never even bother reviewing like the new no effects. Right. Yeah, love the band, but nobody's gonna buy it or not buy it based on my opinion. You know, there's certain bands like you know, your your opinion of it is is so cemented on it. 
The only time that I did that was I, I, I did Weasel's last album, Freaks of Atavism. And I, that, I was like, that was the most scared I was ever to do a review because, you know, I knew that was kind of like their album where, you know, they finally were doing an album after having a solid lineup and um, it was definitely their best album in eons. And I was going to say, it was like the first release of like 10 years or 11 years yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And uh, so it is interesting. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, 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 uh, yeah, this whole, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, looking at things with, uh, that I try and look at everything with open eyes and ears and just, I think, um, it comes from, like Nathan said, you know, I'm, I'm as much, uh, an eighties and like seventies metal guy as I am a punk guy. So it's like, I can hear something and like, oh, okay. I can kind of see where they're coming at from this. And I try not to look at it as, okay, this band fits into this, uh, you know, uh, hole or peg oh my goodness they wrote a song outside of this okay it's terrible <laughs> you know yeah. um and, and don't get me wrong i i just uh, i'm i can't do the you know if things have come across my desk or i've like yeah maybe i'll review this and i'll listen to something big you know i just i'm just not gonna review it because honestly i just i i don't hear anything redeeming where i'm gonna add anything because to me it's like i want to do reviews to kind of help something to, to just do a review to trash something I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just think, you know, there's, there's so, to me, it's like, I'm more of a, you know, I want to build, you know, someone up, you know what I mean? Like e even like fellow bans, you know I mean? Of course we're, we're, we're all in bands or we've all see bands and you know, there, there might be a band that even if you don't love the band, you still try and like, you know, help them out. Like, Hey, you know, recommend them to maybe another band or like, yeah, you guys would fit good with these guys. I try and do the same thing with reviews in terms of, to me, there's no point in just trashing something because, I mean, everything's out there online. People can go listen on their own anyways. I'm just trying to help, like, either a band or a label that I think, oh, wow, this is really good. Hopefully somebody will read this and, you know, check out this band or label. That, that, that to me, is kind of the ultimate goal. You know, it's, it's not, you know, a lot of people may think, like, oh, yeah, you're just doing that to, like, stroke a band or whatever. And that, that's not the case. I mean, bands stroke themselves enough as it is. I'm just trying to bring attention, <laughs> well, <you're laughs> you know, attention. It's a good point. Like, what, what, what bands have you hated that you've uh, just promoted? What's that? What bands? Well, might... Yeah, like you said, even if you're not really a fan of the band, you'd promote them. Why don't you tell us what bands you've hated? Yeah, you've <laughs> yeah. Which ones? <laughs> no. no, come yeah, on, yeah, come no. on, name, no, no, name no, names. We want them, Jason. Name names. I mean, I, I, I'd have to go. Back. Something you know, on this is just the record review. label. That's that's what that's probably right, right. what it yeah. was. Yeah, no, I'm just putting them on the spot. None of, I'm just putting them on the spot. None of the, those bands even jump out at me. But I get the point. There's no point in telling someone, hey, the new <laughs> good because you're either going to listen or you're not. Yeah, and you know what? I, I think exactly. And I think with Jason, I, I I can I can relate to you because my whole point in the podcast was, you know, even though I wasn't really at a place where I could reach for bigger like a big bigger artist or, or bands or whatever, but. I started out, I wanted to bring light to bands that might not get a lot of people's attention. I didn't want to go and, 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 and start a podcast and talk about no effects. You can right. find exactly. a million fucking videos on YouTube talking about no effects. I wanted to talk about bands like Space Age Euros and the Prozacs and Lesser Creatures and... <laughs> excuse me or the cobains or a million you know the many other people that i i want i want i want people to talk about i want i want people to know about these bands 
that might not get the attention is is bigger bands like the Cheats or Screeching Weasel or No Effects get. Right. I also exactly. refuse to, I also refuse to acknowledge post vapid Screeching Weasel. <laughs> except <laughs> except I, I will I will give them the How to Make Enemies album. Because. <laughs> But that, but I, I stop after that. It's a, it's been solo project after that for me. I've been, I'm a big fan of Teen Punks and Heat, and many are. Uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that, man. That was probably the my favorite one post vapid. Now, is that is that where you got into them? No, I got into Screeching Weasel. I think it was. Was that was it? How to. I think it was that one or it might have been My Brain Hurts, but not when it came out. Okay. Like, I think somebody had it or somebody had put on a cassette and gave it to me. And I, you know, it might have been both albums, actually. Probably like one on one side, yeah. one on the other. And that would have been probably 90, 94, 93, 94. Because, like Jason said, a lot of a lot of where your your fandom is of a band depends on when you came with that band, and yeah. like if you if you read, so many people like love barks bark like a dog. It's their favorite Weasel album for a certain sect of Weasel fan. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was just kind of a different band. Like they came back after being broken up, and Ben sounded different. It's still a great album. It just wasn't the same, and to me, yeah, like like no, it's that's. It's it's you know, Teen Punks and Heat's not my not my favorite album. I mean, obviously it was later. I think it was like what, like two thousand or something like that when it came mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not my favorite, but I you know, some of my some of my favorite songs are on that album, but like I would have to go back to like I said, like my brain hurts, boogada boogada boogada, um how to you know, irritate friends. Like those that era is probably like my favorite era. But they like, definitely hit. The, they definitely hit their started hitting their stride. That right? was their stride, just like with the queers putting out, you know, grow up and um, love songs for the retarded, and yeah. you know that stretch of like, you know what I mean? Like that's their 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 main stretch. Of, Jason uh, is such a weasel fan. He even pretends to like the first album. Pretend it's brilliant. It is really good. That's a, that's a time. It is though, really good. When, when yeah. I, that that was their current album when I was transitioning from you know thrash and and the crossover movement of the late eighties. That was you know when I was getting into local scene. You know that and the first No Empathy were like hot local albums, and you know they mm. don't define the band today. But those Chicago had that strong um, kind of hardcore crossover movement. Um, with I could name a million bands that both of you probably don't know or care about, uh, in, including in, including Dan Vapid's first band, Generation Waste, that were huge mm-hmm. in the local scene. Um, that you know kind of bridge that gap. So that's that's what kind of got me into punk was kind of that crossover movement, and you know the the Weasels first album, and then you know Boogada was kind of a blend of you know, yeah. You know, thrash with you know kind of that aod angry samoans type sound mm-hmm. um and then of course once you know they got to look out records of course they changed complete course it, it, to what most people know today mm-hmm. so if if you're primarily just a ramones core fan yeah there's no way you'll even acknowledge you know the first two screeching weasel albums and, and i get it that's i think that's a total time and place thing again 
I think Bogota, I think Bogota start started going in the direction that they eventually took on songs like Supermarket Fantasy and stuff. Yeah. But like Cows and Jack Punk, I believe in UFOs, all that crap on that first album. Keep it. Don't besmir- don't don't besmirch Dan's great name with Generation Waste with that nonsense. Oh, well, he, 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 he oh, wasn't fighting well. words. Well. <laughs> but he wasn't done either of those Weasel albums, so I, I know that's why I'm saying you brought a generation waste of the same <laughs> the same thing. Dan Dan wouldn't give us that nonsense. Oh man, Broken Glass is a Chicago hardcore classic. Look at that. You had said earlier, Jason, <laughs> about you know you might not know any of these bands. Blah blah. blah. I was like, people have said that to me before, and <laughs> I've been pleasantly surprised by how much I can pick out of of old scenes and stuff. Nice, yeah. No, I, just uh, the Chicago. I mean, we've there were just so many. I mean, my God, we had Nathan brought up before here in Chicago. We had McGregor's, and before that, the all ages major punk spot was called Dirty Nellies in mm-hmm. suburban Palatine, which you've probably seen flyers for. And there, we just had there were just so many hard, like punk bands, but they were definitely all more in the I would say crossover hardcore vein than what people think of Chicago when they think of like the 90s, where it definitely was every band still was kind of more some in that kind of branch of pop punk. You know, mm. if you were hardcore, you were you were that like outsider hardcore, you know, mm. and everything else was where it was, you know, it's kind of different. But, but that I think that was just a, a time, too. It was just kind of, you know, even in, you know, the what I call the mainstream underground, you know, that was kind of, you know, that was kind of the transition of, you know, when you would think of anything that wasn't metal was like DRI. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like a true in-between punk and metal type and a corrosion of conformity. It was kind of that way in the scene, too. And the, not even just Chicago, right? I mean, you know, even in the underground, you know, punk scene, you know, that's kind of with the bridge between, you know, Misfits and Sam Hain. And that's where your bands like Angry Samoans came along, you know, like, where it's kind of the metallic hardcore stuff. And then, you know, I mean, you're screeching, you know, not to bring it back home to Chicago, but you kind of do with Lookout Records and Screeching Weasel, that changed the complete trajectory of of underground pop punk yeah, to what it is today. I mean that was game change that was game over for yeah, the modern it, era. And that's a and that, that's a lot. I mean I, I I can't speak for Chicago punk, but I can speak for Pittsburgh punk and that really the the the, the Pittsburgh punk or and the, the the scene really started when People that were into punk and metal discovered grunge, and we all you know the all the punk and hardcore started to have like a really sludgy feel to it. And then you know a lot of those bands will never get the attention, but it also kind of laid the foundation of what would come later on bands like Costa Christ and Os Rotten and Anti. Oh yeah. Um, so it's always because it was always kind of like the punk beats the metal. You know that crossover kind of thing, the 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 crusty scene, everything kind of just like blurred together almost to create like almost like we became like the the Seattle of the East. You know what I mean? And everything just got really dark and kind of down tuned and heavy. Yeah. Did you ever uh, did you ever listen to a Pittsburgh band called Halfway? Yes, they're they're yeah. the uh, they're the purveyors. I'm in car sickness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's like before anti flag. It was like the only that was like to me Pittsburgh was just like Half Life, and I didn't know any other band. Then you know, and when anti flag dropped, it was like, oh, okay, there's other punk bands in Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I was lucky enough. I 
I was lucky enough. I, I got into I got into Pittsburgh City when it was like Anti Flag was still pretty pretty young. Um, uh, no, uh, Othrot, and, and there was another band called the Bad Jeans. And yeah, um, they had a split with Anti Flag. Yeah, they did, and they. I was just like yep. that. You know, my buddy had their album, and I was just like, dude, like, why aren't they like big? <laughs> like, what's going on right now? So, did did you know the Anti Flag guys before they had the fake accents or? After. Yes, before the fake accent. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, I really didn't know. I they really do it well. I, I, hey, I give them credit. They, 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 they're, they're selling an image, and these young kids are buying in. So good, good, good for them. I like them. I, you know, even when I hear their new stuff, I, I think they're great. I think they're great for a more mainstream, like underground punk band. I really do. I, I just, I just, uh, yeah, I just, I, I, it's hard for me to get. Past, we can joke. Know, the, yeah, I get. I, I, it's it's hard for me to get past the uh, the, the vocals because of like you mm-hmm. know, the obvious forced British accent, but it works. Yeah, Billy I, Joel, I, Billy Joel were... adopted it too later on with American Idiot, so I get it. Yeah, I, I knew them back they when they from had Pittsburgh, but what's I, that? I like the message that the band conveys. I think it needs to be told, and they tell it well. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know they were from Pittsburgh, but uh, yeah, but I, I I would consider myself an anti-flag fan. Yeah, me too. And I, I, we, yeah. I used to hang out with them. It was like the pre die for the government era. Yeah, so when, yeah. like Andy was still with the band, and they were writing more like fun songs, like drink, 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 punk, and oh yeah, uh, you know, you know, those kinds of songs. But like, they, I, I didn't really hang out with Justin. It was mostly like Andy and Pat. Um, but you're also talking before success. So, you know what I mean? Like, I really can't speak for them now post-success. But I did see their bass player, um, um, uh, number two. Uh, I've seen him at shows before he was even in Anti-Flag. So, I think that's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, um, my, uh, you mentioned before I was in a band, Urban Idols. We were in, we were in the recording studio, Sonic Iguana, right after Anti-Flag just left uh, recording um, the first album they did for Fat Records, uh, Underground Network. Yeah, the underground network. Yep. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like they left and we came in. So that was no that shit. Was weird. Yeah. And yeah, also, they were there literally right before us. Combined, those two bands, the Urban Idols and Anti Flag, have sold millions of albums. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. We helped propel them to mega mega star. We got them signed. So. It was six million and twenty thousand copies. <laughs> six million and two. Yeah. All right, I'll, but, I'll, 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 I'll tell one more anti, like, you know, six degrees of separation of me and anti-flag. It's really not about me, but, like, the guitarist of Urban Idols, uh, Mike Byrne, who's also a really good friend of, of Nathan, um, mm-hmm. he left Urban that. Idols to go to uh, Methadone's, and uh, Methadone's first tour was with uh, anti-flag. Mm. So, Very cool. Very yeah, cool. So I, yeah. So, yeah, I, I saw anti-flag with Methadone's a couple times, like, early on when with, uh, cool. They were on. Uh, they signed them to AF Records. So yeah, no, I know those. I know those guys. I've heard nothing. You know, I know those guys are all really good guys. I was yeah. just jesting about the uh, accent because. Oh, uh, listen, the people around <laughs> here. There's, there's, there's a weird dichotomy between people who like people who are in the punk scene and anti-flag. So you're not saying anything I haven't heard a million times or thought a million times before myself. So it's uh it's it's not just it's not just you who thinks like that. I prefer the Philadelphia stuff like the Menzingers and Hall and Oates. 
I, Holland Oats is the greatest American treasure. Oh, they, they may be the they may be the finest American band. Yeah, that I would definitely. Oh, yeah, they're up there. Them in the cars. I appreciate <laughs> you having us on. Um, honestly, I do, and and thank you for all you do. Maybe hopefully you could have us on when we get closer to the album. But I don't have much to plug. But if I could throw a couple of plugs out there, yeah, Steve, sure, right. uh, Steve and the Space Age Zeros. Uh, his other band he's in is called Death in Memphis. They just had a new LP come out. So it's available on any of your streaming formats. Have you checked that out? And then I, I would like everyone in the listening audience out there to check out the Material Issue documentary. It's on uh, Night Flight TV on your Roku or Amazon. You can sign up for a week free, watch it, and then delete it if you don't want to pay for it. But uh, definitely worth everyone's time. Awesome. Thank you very much for those. And thank you very much, Nathan, for coming on the podcast. I had a really good time talking to you. Um, Of course, I'll have you guys back on. Jason, it was a pleasure, too, uh, getting to talk to you. uh, Get to pick your guys' brains. Um, Absolutely. And you guys are you guys are more than welcome to come back on any time, and I will I will still stay connected with you guys, and uh, hit you guys up in the future for sure. Absolutely, yeah, Thanks a lot, John. Hey guys, thank you very okay. much for hanging out with me as long as you guys did. I apologize it went a little bit long, but I had a blast talking to you guys. Thank you. Same. Not me too. <laughs> have a great have a great rest of your day, guys. It was good talking. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.